Hey mamas, welcome back to the podcast. Happy to have you here. Today I talk with Sarah, the food storage coach, who teaches us why we need to have food storage, how to get started, what type of food storage we need to have, and just just so much about this topic that I feel like a lot of us weren't even taught about at all growing up. And as a new mom and as I don't know, the the homemaker of the house, I guess. This has just been a new goal for me to start my own food storage. And it is going to take some time and it can be kind of overwhelming. But Sarah, I want to say she makes it easier, but she honestly made me realize how much I had no idea about food storage. So I'm going into this idea a little more confidently and more prepared, but also like, oh man, I have a lot to do, but I'm so glad I had this conversation. So I hope you guys take away some good stuff from this convo like I did. I'm Miranda Lee, and you're listening to the Bread Therapy Mama podcast, a show created for moms who want to feed their families foods that heal them, not hurt them. Food was meant to be our medicine, and the best way to do that is by focusing on the ingredients, not the calories. Here, you'll find everything you need to know about holistic nutrition sprinkled with some motherhood, faith, and non-toxic living along the way. I can't wait to grow with you. Let's dive in. Hello, Sarah. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk about food storage because I've been like really getting into like my own homesteading journey and I've started um, dehydrating things. And so that's been my first step into food storage is trying to dehydrate like a bunch of fruits and vegetables. And then of course, like the obvious, like freezing and stuff. But um, I want to just learn a lot more because my goal is to be able to, you know, if another pandemic breaks out, I feel good and comfortable to not have to run to the grocery store or do any of that for, for months. So I'm really excited to hear all the tips you have for, for this topic. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to get into it. So what's your background? What got you, what got you into food storage and how long have you been doing it for? So food storage is kind of part of my culture. You might say my church emphasizes food storage and has for decades. And so I grew up with food storage. Um, My parents did not, however, grow up with food storage. And so they kind of started their food storage journey when I was a child. And, um, and so it was something that we kind of talked about together as a family. This is a goal that we have. This is something that we're going to work towards. And, um, but the other thing is, is I also grew up poor and food storage and poor go together really well. Actually, some people are like, oh, I can't do food storage. I don't have extra money. And I'm like, that's, that's not how it works. You know, like it's kind of like the more poor you are, the more you should have a emergency fund. Like that thousand dollar emergency fund is far more important. It's the same thing with food storage. And so, um, learning how to do food storage is really helpful when you have really limited funds. So I, I grew up around food storage. It was never, um, it's just kind of a natural part of my, of my life because, um, of our faith and our culture. Um, I started, I really started getting into my own food storage journey in 2008, which anybody who's old enough knows what 2008 is. Yeah. That was the last time we had a nice big housing crash and and market crash. And it was, it was a really scary time. And my husband and I had just gotten married and, um, we hadn't spent our wedding money yet. 
because I didn't know what to do with it because we lived in a crappy apartment and there was no, no amount of money was going to make this apartment better. Okay. And so um, when the markets crashed, a lot of people don't know, but at the same time, there was also a wheat shortage. And um, my teacher at BYU, I was taking a class on housing the family and she talked about, um, she, she showed us this million dollar, multi-million dollar house that was being foreclosed. And she said, all of this room, all of this money, and it wasn't enough to keep them from losing it. All of this room. And do you think that they had food storage? And for some reason, the visual of that, this ridiculous house with 14 bathrooms and multiple pool tables and no food storage just kind of smacked me in the face. And I talked to my mom and I was like, I think I might want to get food storage. And she's like, oh, it'd be so easy for you. There's just two of you. <laughs> she had started her food storage journey when there were five of us. And, and so my mom helped me um, in the beginning figure out what to get. And she actually went down and got it because we were living in a basement apartment. We didn't have room. And so um, every week she would go and get me a case of number 10 cans and she'd put it in her basement. Um, the funny thing is, is even though we had all of the money required to get all of our food storage at once, we couldn't because of the shortages. There were there were limits. And so I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand is, especially a lot of like people who are more well off, they are always able to get the things that they want. And they don't understand that there might, that there have come points in history where it didn't matter how much money you had, you couldn't get what you needed. And having it beforehand is wise. And so I've been doing food storage since 2008. I've always tried to help my friends and all my friends got really sick of it. Okay. They were, nobody would listen to me anymore. I was like food storage. And it's not like I was part of an MLM. Like I wasn't trying to sell them things. I was trying to get them to buy their own things. Right. And then so I kind of just like gave up eventually. I was like, nobody cares. And then when COVID hit, that was when people, I was like, I think that people are ready to hear this. And so I started a business um, a year ago to help people, specifically people who have never heard of food storage and who don't realize that this is a thing, who didn't know that during COVID, if they had had food storage, they wouldn't have had to go to the store. And so that's that's kind of my goal is to to teach people about it and and let them know this is a thing and it's a really great thing that can bring you a lot of peace of mind. So when, um, when COVID hit, were you not even, I mean, besides the normal stress that everyone had, were you not even like stressing about having to go to the grocery store or anything? Were you like, it's my time to shine. Like I've prepared my whole life for this moment. <laughs> there was a little bit of, it's okay. We got this. There was, there was stress in ways that I didn't anticipate. Um, but as far, so we actually locked down early because I had been watching the news since the very end of December. I saw this coming and people were like, no, no, no. And I'm like, no, because I also studied pandemics. I studied history. And so um, the numbers coming out of Wuhan were twice as bad as the peak of the 1918 Spanish flu. Wow. And, and so I was very worried. And no matter what you think of how it all shook out and, and what happened and how it was dealt with, the beginning for people who watched and knew history was very concerning. And so um, in January, I actually bought toilet paper. Um, I, I uh, not in a... 
So nobody was buying toilet paper at that time, but I was like, I'm almost out and I don't like to be almost out. I actually like to have a year's supply of food, of, of toilet paper in particular, because it just makes your life so much easier. You don't run out. But I had, I had through a series of health events had not been able to re restock a lot of things. And so I was like, I'm going to go get me some food storage uh, and some toilet paper. Sorry. I'm going to get me some toilet paper. So I had lots of toilet paper and, um, and, and then as I watched it start to come, we locked down before everybody else locked down and um, we didn't have to go, we didn't have to go anywhere um, because we homeschooled at the time. And um, it was harder than I thought to stay home, but I also felt good knowing that I could stay home because I had prepared. Now, I will say that there were a few holes that were made manifest in my food storage when we locked down. Apparently, I did not have enough fruit and, fruits and vegetables. And so while theoretically I was like, I could, like, I, I I know how to deal with that. Like I can sprout things and I could grow radishes, right? Like there, there are ways with the stress of it all. Um, it was one of the things that I really learned is how much you need to do beforehand because stress completely shuts down your brain. And so we had popcorn every single day for months as an afternoon snack, because I just, I just couldn't think of anything to do, even though I had books and books and books of recipes, the idea of doing a new recipe was too much for my brain. And so um, I actually had uh, my aunt brought me some couple of Costco sized bags of, of broccoli. And then my, my friend who works at a store, she brought me some bags of apples and some bananas. And then, but I was also able to help other people where I, um, a lot of people couldn't get rice where we were and I had a ton of rice. And so I was able to be like, here's a bag of rice. Um, couldn't get cleaners. And I, for reasons unrelated to food storage, had a lot of cleaners. Um, cause I, I like to bounce around and try different things. And so I was able to be like, look, I have cleaners. And so that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand is, is it's, it's really hard to prepare for everything, but, but the more that you prepare and the more you help others prepare, the more you are prepared as a community, as a whole. Mm, yeah. I like that where it's kind of like getting back to the olden days where it's like, well, let's barter. Like I have rice. Do you, do you have this or that? That's, that's so great because we, that's how we were meant to live. You know, mm -hmm. we were meant to live like as a community. And unfortunately I think COVID kind of did the opposite and where now, now people really don't want to, <laughs> don't want to talk or, or hang out or anything. They just want to, you know, do everything online and virtually. And I don't I know. It depends on where you are and mm -hmm. what kind of community you're talking about, because where I am, there was actually a lot of sharing and there was a lot of checking on each other. And as soon as we um, figured out ways that we felt confident in being able to do it safely. For example, outside, um, we did a lot of things outside because we were missing that so much. Wow. And actually, I actually love some of the online stuff. I don't think it has to be an either or. Um, I loved that when we were sick, we could watch church on YouTube, you know, yeah. that was really awesome. And, and unfortunately our church was like, okay, let's, let's get back to normal. And I was like, can you, we leave, can we leave the YouTube for those of us with sick kids? Cause it's kind of awesome. And I'll still come when I, when I can, you know, but I like being able to watch church on YouTube when we're sick. And so I, I think that it depends somewhat on your community and somewhat on what's important to you. Mm -hmm. uh, well, and so for some people there were things and also like the stage of life. Right. And so like my poor, my poor preschooler, he, he missed a lot. There was a lot that I just, 
I couldn't make up for him. And I know that the same was true for a lot of different youth ages, you know, high schoolers and college students. There was, there was a Mm -hmm. lot that, that, that kind of fell away and has been struggled to replace. Um, But for some things um, it wasn't necessarily, there was still good that came out of it. It depends, but it really depends on your community. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. There were definitely some good outcomes from, you know, such a a horrible situation. Um, Yeah. Like I, I love the whole online church thing too. Like the past couple of weeks, my husband was sick and then my baby was sick and it's, you know, we can still watch our church from online. And then, you know, next week we can go in person and, you know, like my, my dad's been able to work from home a lot more and, you know, go to the office only a couple of days a week instead of every day. So I think it's really good to find to find that that happy medium. So that is true. There are definitely benefits. So what do you think, like if for someone who has no experience in food shortage or food storage at all, um, I guess, where do they get started? What do they do? I, I know it might be so overwhelming to think I need to have enough food to last me like months. I don't even have enough food to get me to my next grocery trip, you know, next week. So what tips do you have for getting started? So it's funny that you mentioned months as being overwhelming because like I said, in my culture, in my area, month is actually pretty standard. Um, it's the year supply that gets really overwhelming. Oh my gosh, how can I possibly have a food for a year? But, um, where I am, a lot of people have months and and some of this is a, um, a regional thing too. When you live in areas with a lot of winter, you you know that there will come times when you can't go to the store. And, and so places that know that they can't always go to the store are more prepared because they have to be, right? Whereas places where um, like, like New York City, where you have small, you have a small kitchen and you can just go down to the deli every day, they're a lot less prepared because they, they don't know what it's like to not be able to get what they need. And so... Um, I know that a few months can seem really overwhelming. Honestly, where I have to start for most people is a mindset thing of this is historically very normal. And just because we think that we have technology that makes this obsolete, that's that's actually not true. Um, and we saw that with COVID. And so we need to make a, a mindset shift of, of this is still needed. This is still wise. And, and we have not outgrown this, right? It's like people thinking that because they live on the ocean, but because we have weather alerts that, that they don't need to prepare for floods anymore. And that's just, that's just ridiculous, right? Like mm-hmm. you still live on the ocean, you still need to be prepared for flooding. And so we still eat food. We are still subject to, you know, um, natural disasters that we have no control over as as awesome as we think we are, as many things as we think we've solved. There's a lot of things we haven't solved. And a lot of that has to do with our food. And so um, some of it is just a realizing that a month's supply of food is is like the bare minimum. (laughs) And having a few months is, is a really good um, wise thing to do. And that having a year supply is not excessive um, because crops go in yearly cycles, right? Um, there are some things that if that, that crop is destroyed, you have to wait another year, you know? And so um, some of it, a lot of it is a mindset thing. Um, realizing that you having extra food does not take from other people, that it is not hoarding. So the people who got garages full of toilet paper during COVID, that was hoarding, Okay. But um, 
they put a, a stop to that really fast with with limits. A lot of people don't know that the reason why the toilet paper continued to be short was because residential and commercial toilet paper have completely different supply chains. And so when you go to work, when you go to school, when you go to restaurants, you are using commercial toilet paper. When you stay home, you are using residential toilet paper. Mm. And they those are very finely tuned systems. They could not help each other. And so all of a sudden, all this commercial toilet paper wasn't being used. And now all of a sudden, a whole bunch more residential toilet paper is being used. And so some of it is just understanding how supply chains work and and the fact that they are very finely tuned, but occasionally things break. And when things break, it can either be a small break or a spectacular break, like in the case of toilet paper. And so mindset, I think, is the first thing of realizing this is historical and this is wise to have food storage. And then also the other thing is, is figuring out like, like um, your why, why are you preparing? Are you preparing for something like COVID? Are you preparing for something like a, a job loss? Are you preparing for something like zombie apocalypse? You know, those are going to be, be slightly different flavors of preparedness. Um, but then also figuring out like, what is your goal? Is your goal to make sure that your family doesn't starve or is your goal to make sure that your diet stays uninterrupted? And so you have to figure out what's important to you. So for, um, one of the first things that I stored was I got a five gallon bucket of molasses because I really like gingerbread men cookies. And I'm like, if I have to use my flour, if I have to use my food storage, I better be able to make gingerbread men. And so I got a lot of ginger. I got a lot of ginger and a lot of molasses. And that was important to me, you know? And for some people, they're they're like, I have to be able to have coffee or there's no point in living, you know? And so that might be an important part. And so some of it is figuring out like, what's your goals and and what is important to you? For other people, it's, it's chocolate, right? Get the couple of giant Costco size bags of chocolate chips and um, and put them away so that you know that you can eat chocolate chips. Mm, I I love that because that's so true. Mine would probably be like coffee and, and chocolate chips as well. Those would be the ones that I'd pick. And I think a lot of people kind of don't think of that when they think of food storage because like you can go to Costco now and they they sell like a, what is it, like three month supply food storage thing. And I mean, I'm sure that's better than nothing, but you know, at, at the end of the day, you want to be able to, if something happens, you want to be able to eat things that you actually like, like, and that you'd be okay with not going to the grocery store. So it's kind of like when, when people like want to start gardening and then they buy all these fruits and vegetables, but they're not even fruits or veggies that they actually eat and they're just growing them and it's going to waste. Like that's how I imagine with food storage, like you want to make sure you're actually storing food that your family eats on a daily basis. So you can kind of resume life as normal as you can. Is that how you guys went went with it? Actually, in the it's like I said, it depends on your goals, mm. and so it also depends on your your particular diet and like constitution. Like there are some people who can eat whatever, right? They can change their diet; doesn't matter. There are other people who, if they change their diet, they will die, right? And so some of it is you have to look at like, do I have to eat the way that I'm eating? Then you need to store the things that you eat. Um, if you are maybe at a place, I wasn't at a place when we first got our food storage where I could store things that we regularly used and I couldn't regularly use the things that we stored. 
Um, because in the food storage community, a lot of the the older people, they they saw their parents store wheat and then never use it. And and they were like, why would you store wheat? And and so for them, it's very much like you eat what you store, store what you eat. However, there aren't all there aren't all diets that can do that. Um, and then there also aren't all mental abilities. Like there are some times when we are at a place in our life where we can't do that. And so what I do is I have two different types of food storage. There is the normal extended pantry. These are foods that we eat. These are foods that we go through, you know, like canned peaches. We like canned peaches. Okay. I can get out a can of peaches at, at the at dinner during the winter and we have we have fruit. Um so we live in a place with a lot of winter. Um, but the the other thing is, and chocolate chips, you know, those are all, I have a lot of chocolate chips. I have a lot of molasses. I have a lot of things and we use those, we rotate them and, and they're, they're part of our daily life and they can take us for a few months with the food that we eat. The other thing that I have though, is also called a long-term storage. And I consider it my food insurance. Um, None of us have um, like life-threatening diets where we have to continue eating the way that we do. Like, are, would we? Would our tummies be a little unhappy for a little bit? Yeah, if we don't plan it right. But um, you can have you can store wheat and rice and beans, and and they will last forever. No, not quite forever, but but they found wheat in the pyramids that was still good. Okay. Like the wheat will last forever if you store it. Right. And then rice will last a while. Beans, they start to get hard. Um, but, but regardless, like they're cheap and they're compact and they're nutrient dense and they're, they're, they're fairly like complete, um, nutritionally, if you, if you know how to prepare them. And so I also store that because there are times when I can't keep up on our pantry. I, I, um, have very, very hard pregnancies. And so we have a period of about a year when I, when we have a baby where I can't do anything, like literally anything I can't even cook. And, and if an emergency were to come at the end of one of those times, when my husband has been, been, been cooking, right. He's been doing a great job, but he hasn't been restocking all of our things. I still need to know that we can eat, that I can feed our family, mm. you know, like the widow of Zarephath um, story in the Bible um, she had the miracle of the cruise of oil and the, the, the carton, not carton, but the, the, the crew, the container of meal. And that kept her alive. And I think people don't always think about that. They're like, oh, that's such a miracle. Yes, that's a miracle. But do you know that that's two foods? That's two foods. And it was enough to keep her alive through the rest of the the drought through the rest of the famine. And so not everybody can do that. And I know that, right? There are some people who, if they have to eat wheat, they're going to die, right? It, like, And I get that. But there are a lot of us who could do that if we have to. And so for me, I know that if I have to, I have a lot of different ways that I can prepare wheat. And we have a lot of, right? My kids like rice, okay? And so I keep rice, I keep seasonings, I keep canned chicken. Canned chicken is part of the extended pantry. I use that. But the rice, I can just have a lot of it. And then I don't have to worry about the different levels of how bad things might get or how diligent I've been in upkeeping it in the meantime. And so that's why I have two different types of food storage. I have the short-term extended pantry and I have the long-term um, long storage basics. Hey guys, I wanna take a quick break from this episode to tell you about my favorite online market, 
which is Thrive Market. I just absolutely love everything that Thrive stands for. They are on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable. They have high quality, healthy, sustainable products at member only prices. So you get all this high quality stuff for a bargain. Like these prices cannot be beat anywhere else. And you can not only get like pantry essentials and grocery items, but there's also non-toxic cleaning supplies, beauty items, baby and bath products, and even biodynamic wine. Like they have anything and everything that you need if you like went to the local Walmart or something like that, except they only carry products that they want 100% back, which I love. So you're not gonna go on there and find like Doritos and Pringles, but you are gonna find healthier alternatives that you know are dye-free or that or organic or gluten-free, like just healthier versions of the snacks and foods that you love. And I think my favorite part is that they have these filters for you to filter through your values or your dietary preference preferences or lifestyle choices. So like, for example, for me, whenever I'm trying to um, get food or groceries on Thrive Market, I'll always do like the filters for organic, gluten-free and dye-free because those are just my dietary preferences and allergies. And it will just give me everything that fits those those filters and then you know if I want to get some makeup on there or cleaning supplies like I'll look at women only I'll put like the women owned only business filter on there I'll do fair trade or I'll do eco-friendly packaging and it'll bring up everything that fits that I love it and I think my most favorite part of Thrive Market, which you can't really find at any other grocery store, is that they give you little refill packs for your seasonings, like salt, pepper, paprika, garlic powder, whatever. You can order that on Thrive Market as well. And I love that because you don't have to just get a whole new container every time, which is so wasteful. They just give you a little packet for you to refill your own containers at home. Um, but that's just personally one of my favorite parts. So I don't have, that just helps me reduce my carbon footprint and waste that I'm, and that's something I'm really passionate about. So yes, Thrive Market is amazing for a million different reasons. So it is a $60 annual membership fee or you pay $12 a month for the membership. You get free shipping if you spend $49 or more which is amazing because that's super easy. You know, when you grocery shop, you're spending $49 at least. So free, fast, carbon neutral shipping, like super fast. Um, and with my link, you are going to get 30% off your first order and a free gift valuing up to $60. So you can go in the show notes for my link or you can go to linktree.com forward slash this is Miranda Lee and I'll have it on there but I highly recommend Thrive Market. I've had it for years and I will have it probably forever. It is just a great way to have high quality products, but also save money and it fits in my budget. I absolutely love it. So like I said, check the show notes for your 30% off and free gift. And let's get back to the episode. Mm, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, because that was what I was thinking was, I was just assuming there was just one food storage, but that totally makes sense that there's two because yeah, you were talking about rotating and I was going to ask questions about that. You know, like how often do you, I guess like, let's say if you go out and buy 
a bag of wheat, you just like put it in the back and then you take the one, the bag of wheat that's in the front and you're in your pantry. Like there's so many questions about that, but there, it's, it's good to know that, you know, you have that basically emergency one, like if you need to survive and, um, do you rotate that ever or you just get it and you leave it? So with long-term basics, you pay extra for long-term storage containers. And so um, you don't usually want to keep your wheat in a bag. It won't last very long. And that's the other thing that I, I forgot to mention is, is when you do proper food storage, proper, especially long-term food storage, you are actually adding to the future food supply. So for example, when you dehydrate fruits, that fruit was going to go bad. That fruit had a, a very finite shelf life of it's good for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, whatever it was. And then, um, and then it's done. It's out of the, the current food supply, but you took it from the food current food supply and you dehydrated it. You, you, you properly stored it to push it into the future food supply. And so if you get a bag of wheat, a bag of rice, a bag of beans from the grocery store, it'll last a while. Um, but it still has a shelf life depending on, and a lot of this depends on your, um, your storage conditions, um, and your, your climate, right? So somewhere that's really wet doesn't have as long, uh, you have to, you have to store your food differently than somebody who lives in a place that's really dry. And so, um, but, but when you get a bag of wheat, if you get a giant bag of wheat and you package it in a bucket, you have now, and then you put it in a cool uh dark place you've extended that product's life supply um and you've pushed it into the future and so um i i don't want to and and there's also number 10 cans and number 10 cans you're paying a lot more for that number 10 can and the number 10 can is the restaurant supply it's like i don't know like a gallon-ish size it's not quite a gallon but it's like about that size and a can of wheat is five pounds and um now, a lot of people who aren't around food storage don't know that, but number 10 cans you're there. And so when people will look at it, like, Oh, it's so expensive. Yeah. And it's because of the number 10 can it's been packaged with oxygen absorbers and it's been packaged in a facility. And then it's meant to like, some people will rotate them and some people will put them away because they're expensive. And so I have food that I rotate. I have wheat that I rotate. Um, I also have wheat that I don't rotate because I know that it'll still be good in 50 years, you know, and, and I, that I paid extra for the packaging that keeps it good for that long. So, um, in times, if I have times where I have more money then I can maybe work on rotating some of that and getting a fresher supply in there. But in times when I don't have more money, it just stays put away. Hmm. Okay. I feel like you've been doing it for so long that like, you have it all locked for sound, man. They, well, these, are, these are goals. Like, this is what I want. This is what I want to work for. That's, that's so cool. I didn't know about the whole number 10 can thing. So, so that's great. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite type of food storage? I guess like right now, mine's obviously dehydrating because it's the only one I'm good at so far, but I want to get into canning. That's the goal. See, it's funny that you said that because food storage, I don't can at all. And, um, but when I asked my cousins, uh, my California cousins who don't live here, they're not part of our culture or our faith or whatever. I asked them about food storage and they're like, oh, I don't can. And, <laughs> and so I, and I've had this response over and over again, when I talk to people outside of the Intermountain West, outside of my faith, um, uh, and my culture, it's, oh, isn't food storage canning? Isn't, isn't that what food storage is? I don't can, I don't know how to can. And it's like, that is 
one very tiny way to accomplish food storage. And so um, around where I am, a lot of people just buy like you just buy stuff from the cannery or you buy stuff from Costco or, and you, you buy some buckets and you put it away. And, and we, I don't can. And uh, my sister-in-law, she doesn't can. Um, I, I know how to can. And there are times when I would can't, like, I really love um, canned pears. Like they blow the store canned pears out of the water. So good, but they're a lot of work. And um, you have to be well at the time that the pears are ripe in order to accomplish that. And so um, I I have to treat my pregnancies like a chronic illness um, because that's functionally how they behave. I have pregnancy that goes into remission. And there are some people who might balk at that, but that's the only way that I can survive is I have to treat it like that. And so, um, like I said, some of it depends on your capability. So sometimes there's older people who they don't have a lot of mobility left, or if you are poor, then you're going to prepare differently. And so there's lots of different ways to prepare. And I know that that can make it sound overwhelming, but there's also, um, if you are flexible in your, if you can be flexible in your diet and you can, um, be a little bit flexible in your budget. There are some very easy places to get started. And again, it depends on what your goal is. And so if your goal is to have food insurance is to have, um, you know, I can't rotate this, but I need something that I can feel good about just putting away. Then you're going to start with those long-term basics. You're going to get, you know, 30 pounds of, 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 of grains or food or wheat, um, per person per month, um, and put it away. But if you um, already cook a lot and you have a diet that you like and you've got a meal plan, then you can sit down and look at your meal plan and say, okay, what do we eat? And how can I uh, how can I make some shelf-stable substitutes? Um, for example, if we eat spaghetti every Friday, but usually we have it with salad, can I switch that out for canned green beans? Or can I learn how to sprout um, you know, alfalfa and use that like a salad. Right. And so, um, and if you normally have it with meatballs, do you want to store canned, um, ground beef or do you want to substitute for like, you know, chicken and pesto and can't store the canned chicken and store some, um, pesto in your freezer. That's what I do. And so, um, there are ways to just get started. Um, but a lot of those are kind of designed for people who grew up with food storage. And I um, am just in the beginning of trying to find people who've never done food storage. And so I don't know, like for some people, those are overwhelming and um, they get lists and they have no idea what to do with them. So I'm in the process of designing my own list. Um, and then I have my own resources and I have a course and I have, you know, coaching and I have all these things. And so for people who have the resources, um, and the time, the other thing is, is the time. Like if you have a lot of time, you can spend tons of time on YouTube. There's like uh, figuring out like the, the terms, right? So some of it is food storage is really the term that's helpful because preppers are going to, aren't always going to do food storage stuff. Um, a lot of times they'll just do like the buckets and the, and the safety stuff. And then um, food storage, there's, there's a Venn diagram where they overlap, but then they have their own separate things. And, and all of these things also have a Venn diagram of overlapping with homesteading. Um, so uh, the other thing that I want to say, as far as homesteading grow goes, is I see a lot of people in the homesteading space who think that they're going to be able to become 100% self-sufficient and almost like they won't need food storage. Like, I won't have to go to the store because I'll have my giant garden. 
And that's awesome. Your garden can become food storage, but it is not currently food storage. And I feel like to some extent in the United States, especially, we've been so insulated from the idea of crop failure that we don't realize that it still regularly happens. And in an emergency, like for example, during COVID, there was also a ton of flooding. Like a lot of people don't realize that like the food supply that we were we were eating during COVID was not the current food supply. That was the, the future food supply. The current food supply actually had a problem with the floods that were happening because floods push out planting and they make it so that you can't get as good of a harvest. And if you can't get as good of a harvest and you were relying on that harvest for your next year of food, it's wise to have some food put away. Um, and so that's that's always been traditionally the way. You never ate all of your food. <laughs> you always yeah. had extra because you always knew that your next year's harvest was not guaranteed. And so again, it's a mindset thing and kind of like a historical context thing of knowing that this is the way it always has been and the way that it can be again. And not like in a like in a doomsday scenario, but like we saw from COVID, just how fragile things were. And so for people getting started, it really depends on how much time and money you have. If you have a lot of time, you there's so many resources online. Um, Jordan Page talks about shelf shelf cook uh, shelf pantry cooking. Um, the Provident Preppers are an excellent excellent YouTube channel. Um, uh, they they have the word preppers, but but some of it is just figuring out like what the keywords are. Um, if you don't have a lot of time, so for some people who have a lot of time. Um, the researching it is, is great. You'll find tons of lists. You'll find tons of resources, um, for people who don't have a lot of time, but they have a lot of money. They'll just go out and get those buckets from Costco. Um, they have pros and cons. They have their place. Um, you know, especially for like older people who, you know, they kind of eat a boomer diet anyways, you know, you know what I mean? The boomer diet. Yes. That's, that's, that's not to be denigrating a, a boomer <laughs> diet, but it's a thing. We all know it's a, a, a thing. And so, you know, if that's the way you eat, if you already eat mac and cheese, then go get the bucket with the freeze dried stuff. Just keep in mind, though, that um, while they say that they have a 25, 30 year shelf life, that's with optimal storage. And some of the things in there still won't last. Like uh, some of the things with high fat content aren't going to store as long. And so you don't want to just put those away and then in 30 years be like, oh, I need them. <laughs> and so um Personally, I like having a hybrid of the different methods. I like having buckets of wheat, buckets of rice. We like rice, you know, and I, I know what to do with wheat if I have to. Um, it's a lot of work and it's not part of my current life. But in the past, I've made whole wheat sourdough. Um, I can do it again if I have to. Um, we store a lot of popcorn because <laughs> popcorn actually lasts a long time and it's fairly nutritious. And then we store either butter or coconut oil to to cook it with and and so, I, like I said, some of it just depends on on what your resources are. If you have time, those are different resources than if you have money. And um, and then also what your requirements are. If you need a perfect diet, then that's going to be. And then also what you're willing to put up with. Like, um, so for some to some extent, when I couldn't rotate my food, it was because of the way we were living our life. And so that's where I got the rice and I put it away. Uh, and so if you are, but for other people, like if you need a specific diet, what are you willing to deal with? Right. Do you want to move to a farm because it's that important? Um, or, or do you want to have giant freezers because it's that important, you know? And so, uh, there are ways to accomplish it, but you have to kind of do some introspection and a little bit of research. And so, I mean, that's, that's where I try to come in to help people, you know, shorten that time. 
So do you store water? Is that like a thing? So that's a good question. Everybody should store water, full stop period, um, because you need water or you die, okay? And and water is so easily interrupted. I've stored water since I was in college. I always had a case of water bottles under my bed. And once a year, at least, I would have to use that water. Because like, would we have died? No, we could have gotten our cars and driven somewhere else. But like, it's obnoxious, you know? So like the water would be turned off for whatever reason, for usually up to a day in our apartment. And I'd pull out my water. And I, usually I'd share it because I was fairly confident that it'd come back. And if it didn't, then, you know, we would have to make adjustments. And so two weeks water is usually the very minimum of what's recommended by any emergency uh, organization. There's also, oh, I forgot to say, there's a lot of government organizations that actually have resources. So there's like ready.gov and FEMA has some resources. There's tons of resources where you can go on and they'll tell you like, you need to have some food in your home because we're not going to be able to get to you right away. Okay. You know, or you need to have an evacuation kit because in case you have to leave your home. So we, we have our evacuation kits. They're kind of tailored towards um, wildfires because that's what happens in our area. Um, I don't tailor them to a zombie apocalypse. If that happens, we will just die. And that is okay. Everyone dies eventually, right? That's the other thing is it's being realistic of like, eventually you'll get into it and you'll be like, oh, what, what about this? What about this? What about this? And I have to be like, then we'll die. I you know, you, you worry about the things that you can worry about and you let go of the things that you can't. And so being realistic about what can I handle and what can I not? My children and I, we are not walking anywhere. Okay. We're just not. And so we have to evacuate by car. It is what it is. Um, I got distracted. <laughs> no, I don't remember our zone with this. Water storage. <laughs> Water. Thank you. Water storage. <laughs> um, two weeks minimum. Um, because they found with all of the natural disasters that have happened that two weeks is really the bare minimum of what you need in order for, um, you know, the systems to get back up and running. And so like when they had the derecho in Ohio, I don't know if you remember that. That was also during COVID. That was exciting. They were without power for like three weeks. They were without water for three weeks. And so eventually people will start trucking in water. But if you have water in your home, then you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to start going out and waiting in these lines for water because you've prepared ahead. Now, um, water is a, a temporary resource. It, it's almost impossible to store enough. Like I can't store a year supply of water. I can't. Um, we live in a desert. And so there comes a point where I have my plans, but if the water gets turned off, we can go so long and then we have to leave, you know, and, and that's just the way it is. And it's something that I have to be realistic about because I don't have the space or the money to store that much water, but I can store water. And so usually um, you don't want to store it in milk cartons. Like, so like the, the distilled water jugs that you get at the store, those um, will degrade over time and eventually they'll leak. You don't want your water leak. The, Again, there's different levels of water storage, okay? And so I have like a couple cases of Costco water bottles that I rotate through. Um, I didn't used to like to do that because um, in the Venn diagram with the preparedness and the homesteading is also like the green and sustainability. And um, I got really into that at one time. And so we didn't have any plastic water bottles because I didn't want to use them. But um, with the health struggles that I went through, I kind of had to readjust my expectations and be like, I have to drink water. And if it comes out of plastic, then so be it, you know? And so we have um, water bottles. Those kind of need to be rotated because after a while they get a gross taste. Um, you know, could you drink it if it's an emergency? Sure. Do I want to drink it? No. So I'm going to make sure I rotate it. 
but then you can also get like the the 55 gallon blue barrels those actually a lot of people don't realize you can get those used a lot because they'll come with um like syrups like food grade stuff will come in them and like for restaurants and uh food companies uh, even like oil companies and so um you can get like a, a whole thing of of glycerin but no, it, it's empty now and now the company needs to get rid of it and so um there are resources to get some of these larger ones and then you have to figure out where to put it right and so um camping camping the five gallon camping ones those are those are a good resource and so some of it is also like a read redeciding on the priorities in your home right like underneath your bathroom sink do you really need uh, a million half empty things of shampoo and mousse and conditioner and makeup and all those things or could you pare that down and make room for a five gallon water thing so that if the water turns out you can pull it out and you can wash your hands and brush your teeth and 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 have some water right and so some of it is a rethinking your space as well if you don't have a lot of space if you have a basement where you can put line up the five gallon or the 55 gallon drums do it right do it but if you don't then you there are ways to be creative about it and and find space because water is important water is life and um, but yeah, eventually a lot of people will store filters so they can go out and find water if they need to, um, where I live there, there will not, not be water to be found. So we instead have kind of a, this is the point where we then have to evacuate. Um, so yeah, knowing like what your limits are and what your, your individual climate is. Now, some people are like, oh, I have a well. Okay. Yeah. Wells don't ever go bad or get contaminated. Like if, even if you have a well, you still need a water storage plan. Um, you know, you still need water in your house and then you also need a plan for filtration in case uh, there's a problem. That was a long answer of, of you should store water. Yes. <laughs> oh, uh, that's the other thing is, is uh, um, with dehydrated and those freeze dried foods, um, a lot of people don't realize that if you're storing those, you actually need to store more water um, mm -hmm. because your body needs to have them rehydrated. You can, you can eat them dehydrated, but then you have to eat, you have to drink extra water in order to rehydrate them. Cause otherwise your body will dehydrate itself to rehydrate the food in order to process it in your body. And so a lot of people don't understand that if you're storing a lot of dehydrated and, and um, freeze dried foods, you need to store extra water. Ooh, that's good. I had no idea about that. A lot of people don't know. That's good to know. All right. Wow. I've learned so much and I feel like there's still like a zillion more questions that I could ask, but where can we find you and where can our listeners reach out to you if they really want to get more into food storage and, and ask you questions? Yeah, I'm on, uh, my website is pantryindependence.com and you can email me Sarah at pantryindependence.com. So awesome. independence is spelled with a whole bunch of E's. I, that took me a while to figure out. So <laughs> independence starts with an I and then it, all the rest of the vowels are E's. So just so you know, that's a good way. That's a good way to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I will put all those links in the show notes so people can reach out to you, but thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on. And I hope one day I can be as, as food independent as you are. I think that's awesome. That's a great term for it. Food independence. Food independence. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you all for joining me in another episode of the Bread Therapy Mama podcast. If you like this kind of content, check out my blog for recipes, how-tos, product recommendations, and more. Just go to breadtherapymama.com. I'll see you all in the next episode.